Hello and welcome to the Sacred Shifts podcast with me, your host, Betty Lewis-Griffiths. As a breathwork facilitator, ceremonialist and sacred space holder, I support my clients through significant shifts in their lives, some planned and some a little more unexpected. I wanted to create a safe and informative space where we can have raw and honest conversations about life-changing shifts. We all go through them, so this podcast allows us to delve deeper into individual experiences when it comes to navigating these significant changes in our lives. From birth to death and everything else in between, welcome to the space where we speak openly about pain, purpose, passion, and the life-changing events that got us to where we are now. This podcast episode is sponsored by Projects Brighton. Now, everyone wants a sexy space to work in, don't they? So when I'm having a day at my laptop, I like to set up shop at one of Projects' two gorgeous co-working spaces here in the city. Projects Beach is, you guessed it, a stone's throw away from the beach on Ship Street, and Nile Street is home to rooftop hangouts and this beautiful little podcast recording studio. Visit projectsclub.co.uk to grab your free trial day. Thanks to Projects for your support. And now it's time for the magic. Today I am with a very special guest that I'm very excited to talk to. We've got Eddie Sullivan, aka Mango Man Movement. He is a coach, a medicinal movement and functional fitness teacher, and a king of space holding here in Sussex and beyond. He's also a devoted husband and dad of two lovely boys. Eddie, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting to you today. Yeah, we've had lots of chats in the past, not recorded. So it's really nice to actually be here giving you the space to share some of your wisdom and your story. So obviously this podcast is called Sacred Shift, all about reflecting on those little and big things in life that really do make changes in our path and the person that we are. So I'd just love to start with a little intro from you of where you're at and where you've been. Wow. Let's start with where I've been. I've been in some pretty dark places, to be honest. My journey into this self-discovery, self-expansion and realization started in probably my early 20s, whilst just trying to figure out what was going on in my mind. I've now come to realize that I had crippling anxiety, but was unaware, completely unaware of it, or even what that was. So I started to read books and get interested in spirituality and different modalities of self-healing. So my journey started there, but running alongside that journey was also a journey through drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and self-sabotaging behaviors and, and habits that I'd kind of picked up along the way. So I had these two journeys sort of running parallel. So trying to figure stuff out, figure out who I was whilst simultaneously self-sabotaging, not feeling like I could do it and, you know, falling back into a pattern of drowning my sorrows in unsavory behavior. So that's sort of where I've, where, where I've come from. And I spent more than a few years running those parallels. It was like Jekyll and Hyde. I had almost like two characters in the movie and I wasn't sure which one I, which one I was. Eventually I overcome my addictions. I got in control of my mind and my anxiety. And I started to create big shifts in my life, like quantum leaps. Well, seems like quantum leaps from the outside. And I made great headway in life. And then I started to realize 
I was seeing so many people around me with the same issues, same problems, and maybe possibly I could help some of these people. I was already helping people in a capacity of, of fitness and well-being through my personal training business, but I wanted to help people on a, on a deeper level. And that's what brought me into coaching and helping people in all areas of life, not just with their, their well-being. Amazing. And so you speak to some big struggles that you had. At what point on that journey was it where you realized that there was more or perhaps things did need to shift? I think kind of like cliche, right? It was, I've been asked this question a few times, like what was the poignant bit of the, the change in the, in, in the journey? And it was the cliche, cliche thing of hitting rock bottom. And I finally found my bottom and carved it out and was hanging out in the dirt. At that point where I realized I had the power to change it, the power to, to make a difference. And I guess up until that point, I didn't believe that I could. So I kept inspiring it back into old habits, old patterns. But I remember my rock bottom quite clearly and realizing I was at the bottom and realizing that if I don't make a change now, I'm either going to die or end up in prison or just some catastrophe is around the corner. And I had to really buckle up and use everything I've learned over the past 10, 15 years of studying and put it into action. And it was at that point I started to really action positive changes in my life. Amazing. And I know that yoga is one of those things that mm. you often say changed your life. Saved my life. Saved your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yoga saved my life. That's why I'm so passionate about getting men into the yoga space, anyone, but especially men into the yoga space. Because there's still these, these sort of stereotypes and myths around yoga that keep men at bay and keep men from stepping into the space, which I experienced myself. Yoga called me for many years before I walked into the studio. I used to walk past the studio wanting to go in, but I, I had this block, couldn't go in. A lot to do with the circle I kept at the time, the area I grew up in, the environment I was in, where I was from, men didn't do yoga. And then I finally found the courage to walk through the studio door and did my first class. And I was just sold from that moment. I was like, wow, okay, it's not this thing that I thought it was. And there was something there. But slowly the practice of yoga started to lift the veil with the way that I saw myself mainly, but also the way that I saw the world. Beautiful. And I guess with yoga, sometimes it's a practice that people come to for the movement, for the physical yeah. side. And that's why I was there. Yeah. And then there's this whole other thing. <laughs> that exists within it. And I'd love to hear a bit from you about yeah. that spiritual connection. And yeah, it's when people think of yoga, they think of stretching or asana, the posture. And for many yoga is so much more. When you hear about people saying yoga changed my life, it wasn't the stretching <laughs> that helped. And the stretching was the gateway to lead them into something deeper, but it wasn't the stretching that saved my life. It was the, it was the mindful aspect of yoga. It was the self-inquiry. It was the realizations that came through creating space in my body and my mind that helped create change. But I walked through the door mainly for physical reasons. Mm -hmm. Although looking back now, I had, there was this pull that's pulling me to it. And I thought at the time it was physical. I stiff. I was into bodybuilding at the time. I was just getting into different ways of moving, like gymnastics and natural movement, animal movement. I wanted to explore my body more and I just knew yoga was going to be something that helped unlock connections in my body. So I started to go and it was really hard. I through, I've got a fiery like personality. What I probably needed was like a, a yin yoga class or something, but I threw myself in the deep end and I started with Bikram yoga 
90 minutes in the heat. And that was my entry to yoga. I did Bikram for like four years or something. But I remember my first class being in Shavasana at the end. Thinking, what the fuck was that? It was a feeling I'd never experienced before. And I've pushed myself physically in so many different ways in the gym, running, lifting weights, all these other ways. And then yoga just hit differently. And I was in Shavasana and I almost had like an out of body experience. And then I was like, okay, I need to explore this more. I started going pretty much every day. Amazing. And there's no going back, is there? So once you have that kind of opening. <laughs> once the doors have been opened, you jump through it. You can't ignore it. Yeah, you can't ignore it. But yeah. it took years to unfold for me to finally get in touch with my spirituality. Probably like four or five years into mm. my yoga practice where it really started to create big shifts. Mm. And I started to understand the practice more and my, myself. Wow. Yeah. It's and a slow process. Yeah, it really, really is. I love that you don't call it yoga because it, it's so much more. It's a space to explore yourself physically emotionally spiritually energetically all of the things and it's really hard to convey that when you're sharing what you offer but it is that thing of getting people in the door and then just letting them receive what they need to receive i'd love to hear from you a bit more about those classes and how the offering that you bring and the, the structure even or the flow let's say like how that even comes and yeah what's what's that really about for you well it's a felt experience so it's really difficult as you said to explain what I do especially in in a sense of teaching movement and even space holding so it needs to be felt so I always always encourage people like when they start asking about my classes I'm just like it's accessible just come but medicinal movement is the the end result of years and years and years of experiencing practicing learning and teaching different movement modalities and even like spiritual philosophies and whatnot so it's like the interweaving of different practices. I realized there were aspects of yoga that were benefiting me and people around me, but there was also aspects of Qigong that was helping me create big shifts again in my life. There were aspects of the, the more playful animal movement and then strength training as well. And I was like, there's a thread between all of these practices that make people feel good. So my classes are now based around feeling. A byproduct of my class is you might you may get stronger, you may get more flexible, you may have more mobility. So you may get these physical benefits, but I'm, I'm not trying to give you those physical benefits. I'm trying to give you a feeling. So you learn to feel good in your body because that's where change starts. It's from a feeling. You have to feel good in your body to then feel strong in your mind. And I feel like a lot of healing in today's society is based around the mind a lot. And that's where people get stuck because mm -hmm. you can do all the work on your mind. If you're feeling stuck or just feeling a bit shit in your body, it's going to be really hard to do the mind work. So together practices that help people connect with themselves and create a feeling from inside. And then that feeling can spark a thought, a train of thought that can then lead to create a change later on down the line. Mm, I love that. I think you said it before, getting to the mind through the movement, really, yeah. isn't it? The word mindset is kind of banded around a lot. And actually, sometimes you can move away from that because you're like oh I don't you know my mindset's fine mm. but actually it's a bit of a trickery in terms of like getting people into the class them to be able to open up to so much more and I spoke to a friend recently that came to one of your classes and she was talking about how she had a full shamanic experience during the class mm -hmm. and so it's also once you're open to being with yourself and whatever is there anything can happen literally that and we are the alchemists I say this in class as well so I Notice how you feel now and we go through some practices. As you know, in class, I'm always bringing people back to how do you feel now? And, and acknowledging all of the small little changes. And you notice through class that you will shift through so many different states of being, mental states and physical states. 
And the idea of that is to show you that you can change it. So if you're feeling down, you can upregulate. If you're feeling upregulated, you can downregulate. You can move emotion through your body with intention and movement. I love that. And it's such a gift and so important because how many days do we get through, you know, just like busy on the treadmill of life and then we get to the end of the day and we're like, hang on a minute, how do I feel? How did I even feel all day? And it's so important coming back to those little moments of self-inquiry where we're like, how are we right now? Oh, okay. What can I do to change that? And like a teeny tiny thing, maybe it's a body shake. Maybe it's a scream, like, you know, having a cup of tea, whatever it is. <laughs> and it's really beautiful because I love that about your classes. It is always reminding us of the power of just asking ourselves how we are and knowing that we can do something small to shift that. It's literally that. And the self-inquiry, when you do it often enough, it creates a relationship between the mind and the, and the body and it connects us deeper to our intuition. So some people are like, I don't know how I feel. So I get that a lot in class at the beginning. How do you feel? I'm not sure. So like, well, let's find out then. And you can ask yourself questions in your mind and wait for the first answer to jump back at you. That's genuinely your, your uh, intuition talking back to you. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you get having this dialogue between your mind and your body. And then it becomes a second nature. It just becomes natural for you just to talk to your body. And then when you experience an injury, then you can talk to your body about the injury in a positive way and injury often will heal so much quicker or won't bother you as much as it did when the injury was something like separate from you, something that was happening to you instead of something that's part of your experience. Because I've had many injuries over the years as well and I used to hate being injured and I used to like have such a bad internal dialogue when I had a bad back or a bad knee. And then I started to love those injuries and communicate with them. And now my body just heals so much quicker. Or I don't perceive pain the same way as I did before because mm. my relationship to it is different. Amazing. Yeah, I think we can take a lot from that. The elements of pain that manifest in the body, it's always a message. It's always a piece of wisdom of something that needs our attention. And so it's really beautiful to be able to create that relationship. A lot of it comes down to that self-trust. And yeah, that ties into the intuition. So how do you work with your clients to create that trust? It depends on each client it depends on their relationship to themselves. There's a scale. Some people are completely disconnected to their body. Some people are quite connected. So it depends on, on the person, but generally starts with self-inquiry. So asking yourself every morning or every evening or multiple times throughout the day, how am I feeling? Teaching embodiment practices that help people connect with their body through brushing, tapping, shaking, and journaling, introspection. So if I'm working with someone who feels quite disconnected from themselves, a, a lot of the work is, is introspection. Mm. is journal prompts questions and I help them find the question that suits them because not everyone responds to the same language mm. so it's finding the right language for the right the right client and the right practice for the right client the, the framework there isn't really a framework because everyone's so individual that I don't have a set pattern that everyone goes through because I've tried that and it doesn't work mm. it works for some but not for all so the way I work with each client is completely completely unique and changes and that's why I love my job I could have six clients in a day and each client I'm working with them trying to get to the same peak of the same mountain but just all different routes mm. so it, um, it helps me as well in my job because it's not monotonous yeah I love that and it's just always learning and always unfolding isn't it the beauty of us as humans in this yeah. experience and the uniqueness as well and I think that's really important yes you can go to a class or a workshop to 
be in a certain space to lead you to perhaps a similar path of self-inquiry but ultimately we're all so unique it's really important that we find the right approach to suit us to bring that safety into the body to build that trust with ourselves to allow ourselves to actually open up and really work with ourselves as opposed to against ourselves every day exactly and it's what what you find within like the well-being industry is copycatting is people seeing something on instagram that someone's doing or reading something in a magazine and going, right, i'm gonna do that because it's helped that person and quite often what works with one person can be detrimental for another person so part of what i do with my clients is help them find out what's right for them and that's by realizing what doesn't work for them as well so it's a process of elimination so, okay let's try this thing okay this thing's not working let's go down the list let's try this thing until eventually you have a unique toolkit to, for, for yourself to use when you know life comes at you mm. Yeah, beautiful. And so now a lot of the work that you do is men's work. Yes. And I feel like it's such an incredible movement that is happening mm. in the space of men's healing and community yeah. and coming together. And as an insider in the men's world, I'd love just to hear from you a bit about the work that you're doing, the spaces that you're holding and what you're witnessing as being part of that. So I've been dipping in and out of men's work for like the last five or six years, I think. And it's been a big part of my own journey as well as helping other people. But it's funny that like, the reason I started men's circles about six years ago was because I wanted to go to one and there wasn't any. So my wife partner at the time, she was going to these women's circles. I've been hearing about women's circles for years. She was coming back and just see the change it was creating in her and like the sisterhood mm. and the, the space to be vulnerable and the connections she was making. And I was like, I want to come to a women's circle. Can I come? Just, you know, just as a joke. And then I was like, right, I'm going to find a men's circle. And there just wasn't any. So me and a few friends got together and we started to, started to meet every week. Just like four of us and whatever talking stick do around and everyone would just share. And then other people started to hear. It was like, oh, like, can we come? And then it started to grow into this thing. And then I moved away from London, moved down to Sussex. And the studio I was teaching in just happened to ask me, do you run men's circles? Would you like to run a men's circle here? We need it. And I was like, yeah, let's go for it. So I started running circles down here. And then it's kind of just evolved over the last couple of years. And since having children, two boys, I've put a lot more intention into the men's work because I want men's circles to be something that's just normal by the mm -hmm. time my kids are grown up because there's still like a stigma around it. There's still a resistance for men to step into that space. But what I'm finding when they do step into that space, it's beautiful to be in a space where men can just go beneath the surface to share more authentically and to be vulnerable. And it creates such a mandala effect of positive change. And as men, we don't often share our struggles, not even with our partners, let alone other men. So we can feel quite isolated in what we're going through. And then in a circle, someone shares something and you can just see everyone's shoulders dropping. Because although the external stimulus might be different, i.e. The, the experience, the thing that's happening to cause the pain or the anger or the frustration or whatever we're feeling inside, the external stimulus might be different, but internally it's the same thing that, that, that we're experiencing. So it almost validates it in a way, makes you see that, okay, I'm not in this alone. Other people are going through this and it lessens the burden. So that part of it has just been magical to watch. But the work is morphing. What I'm, what I'm starting to realize over the last couple of years is men need more than a circle. Yeah. We need more than sitting and talking. Men need action. Men need purpose. Men need drive. Men need a mission. They need to be doing hard things, be being challenged. 
So part of my work at the moment is morphed into taking men out into nature and taking them through these physical, mental, spiritual, emotional challenges. And this is where I'm seeing the biggest changes in men. And within those challenges, we're having just organic circles, you know, conversation gets started, things come up, but I'm starting to take the men out of the circle setting and into a setting of a task, a challenge, something to bond over. Love that. And I guess in that scenario as well, you get met with parts of your shadow and we're all mirrors for each other all the time, right? So taking people out of that kind of circle environment into real day-to-day situations is even more powerful perhaps because then you are getting to see those things that trigger you and those challenges that you come across and then you're there to support each other to talk about them open up about them work through them 100% and you know I'm working quite closely with a group of seven men now for the last eight weeks and I've realized it's not even about the challenges the challenges are just the the thing that bring us together and now I'm seeing this like brotherhood forming between them and it's really important it's a missing link in the world of men at the moment and then what happens innately we look for this connection right innately so we normally find it in the pub or at football. We will find it. Like football's tribal. You go to football, people are chanting, they're banging drums. It's something that brings people together. But these things aren't necessarily the best environments for men to get what they need. You know, this innate need of tribalism, this innate need of being with other men. And we can do it outside the pub and outside the, outside the football pitch. And... At the moment, my work is creating those environments and men are jumping at, at the chance. So I know it's needed, always reflecting what's the traction with this, that, the thing that I'm doing. And with the men's work at the moment, the traction is just so big. There's so much traction with it. So this is really needed, which makes the work meaningful. You're so right in terms of needing other environments that create the same connection, right? And mm-hmm. the same wildness and yeah. authenticity and that like primal connection. But I know for me personally, I don't drink alcohol. So there's that whole thing of, okay, I don't really want to go to the pub as much as I used to. And so actually it's really beautiful to create those environments that are away from the things that maybe aren't the best habits for us in life. I think it's really beautiful that you're creating that. And you speak about this ancestral movement. Yes, I'd love to know a bit more about that because I think it's so important to reconnect with our roots as well. Often we don't find out who we are, where we come from until a lot later on in life. Especially here in in Europe, where our our history is not as well documented, especially in the sense of like our spiritual history, right? You know, if you look into Buddhism or Hinduism or even shamanism, their culture is alive. And that's why so many Europeans or English people get attracted into yoga, attracted into, into shamanic work, attracted into Chinese medicine or Chinese energy work because the, the culture is alive there. So it takes our attention, but we have it here as well. But the books have been burned. <laughs> the medicine women and the priests and all the people who hold the knowledge have been taken away from us. So it's harder to kind of excavate our own spirituality. So we end up jumping onto another culture's spirituality which is great. And I've done that as well. I've been around the world studying, you know, from yoga to Taoism to shamanism. It always leads me back here though, like deep roots and a big part of uh, our roots is movement, the way we moved. And ancestral movement is basically taking people through all of the movement we're designed to do as humans and why we do those as well. We often go to the gym and just go through these movements 
just thinking about the muscles we're training or because someone's told us to do them and not really understanding why we do them. So ancestral movement involves the way we lift and carry things, the way we uh, traverse our habitat in nature, walking, running, climbing, crawling. And then a lot of the primal movements as well, we go through the movements that we would have first learned as a baby. So we do lots of rocking, we do lots of rolling, we do sitting, various forms of sitting, getting up and getting down from the floor. When you go through the sort of like evolution of movement, it relaxes the nervous system, it calms us down, it creates space, much like the practice of yoga would create space. It's very similar, but I'm trying to help men understand like the why, like why are we doing this? Why are we squatting? Or why are we pulling up? Or why are we running? Why are we picking up this thing? What's the, what's the purpose? Why we're doing it? And what's the best way to do it? And then it gives men or anyone just more autonomy over their movement and over their over their body, more understanding. Mm. I was having a conversation with someone recently about going to the gym and working out and moving a body and all the different types of exercise that there mm. is out there and how we come at it from such a place of needing to move our body. Yeah. But actually, my, the friend that I was speaking to was saying, I don't work out because yeah. the lifestyle that I lead is enough. I do what I need to do, but he doesn't live a very traditional life. Mm. And that got me thinking about how much we've changed and evolved and our lives are just not supportive. You know, we sit at a desk a lot of the time or, you know, even sat here recording this. It's quite sad, actually, how we've lost that connection to just moving our bodies and, and being more manual with things. And, you know, I was thinking about, wow, one of the reasons that I would love to move to Portugal is because I would need to be hands in the earth, weeding and, you know, getting water supplies and actually physically creating my environment and my life. But I guess we've got so reliant on just receiving everything that we need that we can literally just sit at a desk all day long and, and have what we need. But how do we come back to those roots and bring in more of that natural movement? By changing how we perceive movement, it's all in the perception. So at the moment, we're in this sort of time where the gym is separate from life. So program your gym in, you put your gym into your diary, you've got your hour of movement. So you go and you do all of your movement for 24 hours in one hour. And you go to this special place that has these special machines. You put on your special clothes, your special trainers, you put your special pod podcast on or your playlist on. And then you go through these prescribed movements for an hour. And then you go back to sitting in your desk and you're like, I've done my movement for the day. And that's not how we're supposed to be living. We're supposed to be moving constantly throughout the day. So, you know, I always encourage my clients to sit on the floor as much as they can, take the stairs as much as they can, to be aware of how they're moving when they're reaching for things, picking things up. And you can bring movement into your entire day and take it away from just being this, this one hour in the gym. Or also take their movement outside, go and mm -hmm. train outside, go and train in natural environments. You know, how challenging is your workout really? If you've driven there in your car and then you're pushing yourself through a workout in an air-conditioned gym with weights that are designed to be lifted, i.e., you know, equal weights either side, very easy to lift. The only difficult thing would be the, the weight, right? How heavy it is. How much of a challenge is that really? Yeah. So that's why I like to take people out. All of my training, pretty much all of my physical training I do with clients is done outside yeah. using functional equipment or using bits of equipment we find like logs and rocks and lifting organic objects far more challenging and the reward is far better as well when you're out in the rain and you've gone through a training session out in the rain there's nothing like it yeah very okay. primal isn't it it's super it's yeah. super 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 primal 
And then I make sure the clients are going through all of the primal movements. You know, it's not just about bench pressing and squatting. We should be crawling. Mm. We should be hanging. We should be climbing. We should be throwing. We should be punching. We should be kicking. There's all of these movements that we should be doing that fulfill our innate movement needs. So again, it's just perception, understanding and seeing how am I looking at my movement? Can I change the way I look at my movement and bring more, more of it into my day? It's so powerful. I'm just reflecting on my own approach to yeah. movement. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like you're creating a movement movement, yeah. <laughs> which is amazing. Um, yeah. It's just incredible and really giving me and hopefully everyone that's listening to this so much food for thought, just going about the day where we can and where we have the opportunity to letting go of that structure of what the day needs to look like yeah. i know that this is something that i'm working on personally as well surrendering into okay i work for myself i don't go to an office space from nine till five yeah so what do i actually want my day to look like and i still find myself slipping back into that corporate mindset of i must open my laptop and do some work in inverted commas but actually when i take space and i take myself for a walk for an hour or two hours in nature I receive so much more than I would if I'm sat at a laptop. And this was one of the biggest lessons that I received when I was in Portugal. Do less, receive yep. more. It's like when I connect to my joy and my awe in nature and finding that inner child, being silly and bringing in fun and ecstatic bliss, so much more magic happens in terms of work and this weird productivity obsession that we have. I think nature is like one of our biggest healers as well. I, I literally prescribe nature to my clients. It's a prescription. It's part of their plan. So what I try to encourage, everyone's different, but in general, I try to encourage my clients to take two hours per week in nature by themselves. And it's the thing they're most reluctant with. It's the thing that they put to the back of the list of all the things, the tasks they have that week. In general, they put nature at the back. I'm always checking in. I think you'll walk yet. But then it's always the most powerful. And it's funny you say that, but literally just at a voice note check-in from a client of mine who was just finishing his two hours in nature. And he was feeding back to me the perspective it's given him on his business because he's self-employed and you never put your business down when you're mm. self-employed. And quite often we can get so lost in the business that we forget what direction we're, we're headed in. And that, that space in nature can sort of help you reevaluate, reassess, and make sure that you're still shooting the arrow where you're supposed to be shooting the arrow. That was basically what he reflected back to me. He'd realized through that space he had in nature, he now knew what he had to do to push the business mm -hmm. forward. And that wasn't done by thinking about the business. It was done by creating space. So I believe inspiration comes from two, two places. One, an external source. Okay, so this is the inspiration that just gets dropped on you. You have a conversation with someone, you see an advert, you listen to a podcast, you hear a song, you read a book. And then suddenly, bang, all this inspiration comes through. Other inspiration that we get is from inside the internal inspiration. And that comes from space. And we need to create space. But we are taught that space is unproductive. So we don't give it. So when you do have space, you end up doing a bit of work on your phone or reading a book or I listen to a podcast or I try and fill my space with something productive. So I'm learning or creating. How about you just do nothing? Mm. What happens then? And quite often what you find when people have nothing, they have these aha moments and inspiration starts to flow through them because we create space for it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in terms of nature, it's a prescription. If you work with me, you will be prescribed going out in nature. 
Yeah, it's the best. Preferably bare, bare feet as well, <laughs> even in the winter. And naked. <laughs> yeah, and naked. Yeah. <laughs> always naked. Yeah, always naked. Um, as long as it's not going to offend anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. It's just, it's so important. And yeah, the biggest lesson, it really is just to create that spaciousness. But it's almost like we're afraid of that spaciousness. And I do think that there's some element of, perhaps needing to have done some work with yourself to be able to get to the point where you can actually invite in that spaciousness because otherwise you are reaching for your phone, reaching for the food, having a drink, whatever the things are that you use to distract from yourself, right? So there's definitely some kind of foundational work to do, but I guess that's where you come in and you're supporting people to get to that point of where they really can open up to and surrender into that spaciousness. Yeah. 100% and it's a it's a bodily wisdom the idea that we have to always be productive comes from the mind because the mind wants to constantly do and stuff that's what the mind does that's what it's designed for so if you let it it will just overrun and just constantly do and do and do it but there's an innate wisdom and intelligence that the body has that if you give yourself space and you relax the body starts to work stuff out you don't have to work it out you don't have to use your mind to work it out your body works stuff out and then it will gift you moments of inspiration and clarity but you need to give it space for the body to do its work you need space give it space and it just works stuff out and you just need to trust in that yeah but that leads back to connecting people into their intuition communicating starting a dialogue with their body talking to themselves so you can start to trust the inspiration that comes through because sometimes inspiration will come through and the mind will go you can't do that you're not good enough and then you don't follow that thing you're supposed to do and instead you follow something the mind has directed you to and that wasn't your path mm. and you start getting frustrated and angry with yourself because you're not living how you're supposed to be living totally the body knows the body always knows and it's almost like we don't give it credit we're just like oh it's just this thing that's carrying me around you know some bones and some flesh but i have this person every month when i come on my bleed that connecting to my room space mm. and the wisdom is there when you let everything else fall away it's one of the most potent times of the month to connect with myself my creativity if i was still living a life that didn't have the awareness to do that i can't imagine living without that now it's just so important to create that yeah it really is you spoke earlier you said about you know the body body will speak to you and i've said this before like the body whispers before it screams so the scream is like your back going when you lift something up right and we all hear the screams but we don't all hear the whispers and the reason the body screams is because you're not listening so you if you start to tune into the whispers the body doesn't have to scream at you your back won't go you won't hurt your ankle or hurt your knee or a disease might not necessarily come through or manifest in the way it's manifesting so learn to listen to the whispers and the whispers will guide you along the path instead of us falling away from the path and then the body screaming at us to bring us back to it so learn to listen to the whispers yeah and the body is is on our side at the end of the day and it's almost like a teacher that is showing us when we're out of alignment when we're not living in our authenticity and our truth maybe because we don't know what it is or because we're not listening to our intuition yeah so really it's in partnership with our body it's not separate from us it is us and that's where the language comes into play we often speak about our body like it's not part of us you know like i remember it was was quite strong experience when one of my teachers i can't remember who it was i'm not going to say the name was touching my arm and she was like what's this and i was like my arm she was like she touched my leg what's this i said oh it's my my leg okay she's touched my arm again 
and said, this is you. She touched my leg and she was like, this, you, it's not your arm. It's not your leg. It's you. And then for me, that was so profound. I was like, ah, so I was separating myself. Even the fact that with anatomy, we separate our body parts and, and they all have their individual names and they all, yeah, they're, they're just separated from us as a total being. And when you start to see yourself as a complete total being, you don't separate your body parts. You mm. just, it just is you. It can create quite a profound shift in your perception of yourself and your body. Yeah, absolutely. We all just need to spend more time in the day touching, touching. those parts of our bodies, yeah. like, and just connecting. It's like, you know, when do you connect with your elbow? Yeah. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> but if you didn't have your elbow there, you couldn't do so many things. And it yeah. sounds really basic and yes, silly when you talk really about it like this. But it's so important to have gratitude for every single part of you. And I love looking at it like it's just you. It's just me. It's like touch yourself. Us. Yeah, touch Honestly, yourself. Touch you your, heard it here first. That's one of your yeah. <laughs> prescriptions. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Preferably in nature. Yeah. <laughs> nature. But yeah, because we disassociate from our body, especially when we've had an injury or trauma and, mm. and, and body, we disassociate from it. So we can reconnect to it by literally brushing, sweeping and tapping into the body. And that place that's dormant starts to come alive again. Yeah. I just wanted to touch a little bit on fatherhood because mm. I know that you have two beautiful boys and obviously you do a lot of men's work. Yep. What has come alive from you since you've become a father, especially to boys, and how that has led to the direction of your work as well? Wow. Children give you a newfound sense of purpose, for sure. Being a parent has been one of the biggest challenges I've ever been through. It's the biggest spiritual awakening I've ever had and I thought I'd been through my spiritual awakenings and I thought I knew myself very well and I was very strong in myself and then I had children and they started to reflect deeper levels deeper deeper levels of me and they shine lights into all your dark spots and it made me realize why so many men do walk, walk away and walk out because it's so confronting being a parent, I used to judge, I used to judge people who, I would judge a man who'd walk away from his family before I had kids. I'd like, I'd never do that. Could you do that? And then I had kids and about six months in to my first child and I was like, oh, wow, I could fully just walk out. I, I can't do that. The children aren't dependent on, on me in that way. Like, this is hard. I could just walk away from this. It wasn't an option, but I, in that moment, I understood it. I understood just how confronting and challenging parenthood is. But if you're up for the challenge and you are already in the, the energy of confronting yourself right. through your practices and through self-inquiry and trying to develop as a person, children are the best thing that will happen to you. They really force you to focus on yourself and yeah. to focus on your dark spots. So kids are beautiful in that way. They are beautiful, beautiful reflection. Yeah, bringing boys into the world gave me a lot of direction and a lot of ambition with the, the men's work because I want my boys to grow up to be strong men mm. and we need more strong men. So I'm, I'm raising strong boys to be strong men. What happens when someone goes into fatherhood that perhaps hasn't been on this spiritual path and doesn't know themselves fully? Well, they are confronted with all the things they wasn't even aware of. It's similar as someone just goes into ceremony with no experience mm -hmm. or no understanding of what they're going into and then they have a bad trip, yeah. a bad experience. Ceremony and children work in the same way. They will <laughs> shine spots and all the dark spots. A lot of people go into parenthood just not understanding that. 
and not understanding that your life has to change. So a lot of the frustration that I, I, I see, you try to cling on to your way of life before children, it's going to cause frustration mm. and it's going to cause resentment to the children. So everything has to change. Relationship to yourself changes. Partner, she will change hugely. She will have a complete shedding and a, a rebirth of herself, which means your relationship changes. Your ability to socialize and do things for yourself changes. So you have to let go and grieve that part of your life and then to open into the, the, the new chapter mm. and trying to hold on to the old self while having children it just causes frustration and mm. there needs to be a sense of letting go and rebuilding the relationship you have with your partner when you have children the relationship you have with your partner ends but a new one begins mm. but you have to be willing to work on the new version of the relationship and unfortunately a lot of people aren't ready to do that and that's why so many relationships break down post child post children mm. Because there's too much confrontation. There's not enough understanding about the shift in life, trying to cling on to old versions. And then everything just falls apart. But I see it, lived mm -hmm. it. And I've got respect for every man going through it at the moment. Yeah, I've seen it myself as well. And it's heartbreaking. And I think it's even more of a reason to, you know, hopefully find your work before you even get to yeah. that stage of your life. Because then you are moving into this huge transition um, and the biggest mirror ever yeah. um, in a space of being centered and self-aware and knowing your shit, basically. Yeah. Children is the invitation to be a man. Like, I thought I was a man before I had children. And yeah, to an extent I was. And then when I had children and I was confronted with the, everything that comes with having children, I realized like, oh, this is my initiation into being a man. And another reason a lot of men walk away is because they're still in their boyhood, in their, in their body, in their mind. They haven't quite come into manhood yet and taken on that responsibility. So it's an opportunity to step up and to initiate yourself into being a responsible, accountable man. Mm. If you're not ready for that, you're going to continue being a boy and you will move away from the family. Thank you for sharing that. It's really important. So much, so much work and really beautiful reflections. So I guess my final question for you mm. is a bit of fun. If your life was a tarot card right now, what would it be? I think I need like the whole deck. The energy that I'm feeling at the moment is like the magician energy. I've played through the entire deck in my life, I think. But I feel like I'm going into like a creative stage of really creating very authentically and really knowing myself and what I'm here to do and what I'm here to offer. That's the stage energy I'm moving forward with at the moment. Beautiful. Love it. And what have you got to offer people? Where can people find you? What have you got coming up? I've got a few things coming up. So I've got a yoga for men course starting on the 7th of January, six week course. So again, trying to get more men into yoga in, in, in a masculine environment. I know a lot of men, one of the things that stops them from getting into yoga is how feminine the practice is at the moment and being led by a woman. And being in a room full of predominantly women, some men feel very self-conscious. They don't want to practice in that way. So I've started this yoga for men course. And then also got a day retreat for men, the ancestral way movement for men on the 25th of November at Sapiens training in, in Hassocks. And I've got two openings for one-to-one -one coaching at the moment. Oh, and a men's circle as well on the 17th of November. Amazing. So yeah. you're keeping yourself busy. Quite a few things, yeah. And is your one-to-one -one work men and women or just I men? work with men and women. Okay. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And where can people find you on the old internet? You can find me on Instagram, um, Mango Man Movement. 
Okay, amazing. Eddie, it's been so incredible talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you for days on end. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for being here and speak to you again soon. Cheers. Thank you. Well, that was fun. Thanks so much to Eddie for sharing his story and all of his wisdom. We're going to be teaming up on the 31st of December for a very exciting retreat day. Join us for Wild Ways in the beautiful Sussex countryside. We're going to be gathering in Sacred Circle for a day of movement, breathwork, primal releasing, chanting, nature connection, nourishing food. If that sounds like a bit of you, you can check out the link in the show notes and book your space. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Shifts podcast with me, your host, Betty Lewis-Griffiths. It really does mean the world to me to have you here. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would absolutely love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. If you follow on Spotify, then it will add the latest episodes into your podcast and show. So they're waiting for you. How good is that? I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Find me on Instagram at Be With Betty. See you back here soon for more conscious conversations about sacred shifts.